0: Welcome back to Peace Lutheran Church's 2020 Midweek Lenten series, A Window to the Soul, the Eyes Have It. Tonight's sermon by Deacon Bob Hutchinson concludes our five-part series with worldly eyes. Let's join Deacon Bob now as he begins tonight's sermon. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Welcome to the new normal. The world is in confusion these days as we all hunker down to outwit and outlast the rapidly spreading coronavirus. People are doing odd things, hoarding the impractical, things like paper products that can't be returned, or bottled water, which is bulky and has a relatively short shelf life, and even hand sanitizer. Now, I hear you scoffing, but at least hoarding hand sanitizer can prove to be impractical, as when, as two Tennessee brothers found out, the market is slammed shut to profiteers, and you're stuck with 17,700 bottles of the stuff. I find it ironic that those two guys, with all that Purell in their possession, we were unable to come out with clean hands in the deal. But that's the world for you, everyone seemingly looking out, no matter how misguidedly, for themselves. As we've seen through the previous weeks in our Lenten series, there were a lot of eyes upon Jesus as he traversed his passion. We've seen the misjudging eyes of the crowds and the authorities at his triumphal entry. We've seen the betraying eyes of Judas, the sleepy eyes of his disciples in the garden, the denying eyes of the witnesses of his persecution, the murderous eyes of his would-be executioners. And tonight, we look into a most disheartening set of eyes, those that view a world so distorted and dimmed by sin, cynicism, and malaise that all they can see is their own self-interest. We use the adjective worldly in two different but related senses. Merriam-Webster identifies these as first, having a lot of practical experience and knowledge about life and the world. And secondly, of or relating to the human world and ordinary life rather than to religious or spiritual matters. In our Passion reading tonight, we see both senses of the term at work as Pontius Pilate, the Jewish chief priests and religious leaders, and lastly, the Roman soldiers look at Jesus through worldly eyes. In the Roman Empire, you didn't rise to the level of power that Pilate enjoyed without being worldly wise. Pilate wanted to remain governor which meant that he needed to thread a political needle as he tried keeping the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, in place. He had to placate the local religious leadership without letting things get out of hand. He knew that he was only valuable to Caesar as long as the lid stayed on. He was also a politician, which meant that he tried at every opportunity to pass the buck to transfer responsibility to someone, anyone else. He was looking out for himself and didn't want to have to deal with any situation that would threaten his rather precarious position. At first, Pilate told the high priest and the elders to deal with Jesus themselves. And when that didn't work, he tried to pass the accused off to Herod. After Herod kicked Jesus back, Pilate bargained and threatened and pleaded with the Jewish authorities, but to no avail. Along the way, Pilate came to realize that Jesus was innocent, based upon his own investigation and on that peculiar warning from his wife's mysterious dream. But Pilate's worldliness won out in the end. His religious skepticism is on full display when he asked Jesus, what is truth? As he failed to recognize the beaten and bloodied truth standing right there in front of him. In the end, Pilate fell back on his worldly instincts capitulating to the Jewish demands as they threatened his precious position by using the name of Caesar as a cudgel, beating him at last into submission. So the murderous Barabbas is set free and the innocent Jesus is led off to fully drink the cup of his father's wrath. The leaders of the Jews had worldly eyes as well. The Sadducees saw the popularity of Jesus as a threat to the power they were enjoying through the compromises they had made with the Romans. The Pharisees saw Jesus as a competitor to their own religious influence and as an opponent of their legalistic theology. So these worldly Jewish leaders stirred up the crowds to demand the crucifixion of Jesus, eliminating the threat and maintaining the status quo. Finally, the Roman soldiers had worldly eyes as well. They knew a king when they saw one, and Jesus was the opposite of their view of royalty. Many had seen Caesar himself. Others had seen kings of the East during military campaigns. Still others could envision with the mind's eye glorious kings with all their pomp and circumstance, But this Jewish carpenter, beaten and bloodied and wearing a crown of thorns, ha! What a joke. Their bowing down and praising Jesus was all mockery. Hail, King of the Jews. Ironically, Pilate and the soldiers got it right. Regardless of what was in their hearts, they correctly called Jesus King of the Jews. That is the eternal Messiah promised to Adam and Eve, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, and all of his chosen people in Israel. But as Jesus told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. Rather, he came into this world from heaven to bear witness to the truth, as is written in John chapter 18. And here is the truth. Jesus was and is a king, not a worldly one, but the heavenly divine king of kings, God the Son in the flesh. While the way of the world is to look for power and glory in rulers, the true God glorifies in suffering and the cross, and he manifests his power to save through the gospel of Jesus Christ Crucified and risen. Crucify him, cried the crowds. Crucify him, cried the father from his sapphire throne. Crucify me, cried the obedient son. St. John said in our epistle, whoever does the will of God abides forever. That's First John chapter 2. And this first and foremost refers to Jesus himself. He came from heaven to do his father's will, to draw all men to himself on the cross, bearing the sins of the masses, dying for the life of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's John 3:16 gave him to reconcile the whole world to himself, not counting men's trespasses against them. Was his death for you? Well, are you in the world? Then yes, he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And if your worldly sins were on him at the cross, then they are no longer on you. If your sins are placed on him through baptism, absolution, and the Lord's Supper, then they most certainly must not continue to weigh you down in guilt and shame. But you should instead consider them to be as far from you as east is from west, drowned in the depths of the sea, actually, as if they no longer are even in the world, because that is the truth of the gospel." In Christ you have been set free from sin, death, and hell, and all you have to look forward to is eternal righteousness, everlasting life, and resurrection in God's heavenly kingdom. As Jesus says, his kingdom is not of this world. So we're called not to a worldly mindset, but to a heavenly one. St. Paul writes to those baptized into Christ's death and resurrection, "'If then you have been raised with Christ, "'seek the things that are above, where Christ is, "'seated at the right hand of God. "'Set your mind on things that are above, "'not on things that are on earth. "'For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. "'When Christ, who is your life, appears,' then you also will appear with him in glory. That's Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Jesus prayed to his father for you on the night when he was betrayed. Father, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one." That's John 17. Satan, the evil one, would lead you to share the worldly postmodern viewpoint expressed by Pilate, what is truth. This religious skepticism leads people to despair, which can drive someone either to escape this apparently God-forsaken world through suicide, or to adopt the other extreme, embracing the world and all its excesses. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you shall die. But not you. You know the truth about the world. St. John writes, All that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father but is from the world. And the world is passing away with, along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. And this is God's will, to embrace the truth of the cross by which the world has been crucified to you and you to the world. This is God's saving way, no matter what your worldly status is in this fallen creation. Let me leave you with the words of St. Paul from his preamble to the letter we know as 1 Corinthians. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written... Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. That's 1 Corinthians 1, to 31. So, if you're going to hoard something, store up these things in your heart. For the truth of God's word can never expire and his mercies never run out. Amen the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Thank you for listening to tonight's sermon. We invite you also to watch our Sunday worship services online at peacecamarillo.com. Hopefully you can join us for Palm Sunday and Holy Week and Easter. Until then... God bless and keep you and give you his peace.